Hi guys, it's Jill and welcome to and or back to the Jet Real podcast. I have nothing interesting to say to start, so let's just jump in without dilly-dallying, okay? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, folks and friends, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, This week, I don't really particularly have a topic in mind, but as as it usually happens, it will surface at some point. Um, But I do know and do have in front of me some emails that you guys have sent. And um, if you are an individual who would like to send an email, um, please do so at uh, jetrealpodcast at gmail.com. That's J-E-T-R-E-A-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Um, so yeah, you can just shoot me an email. Um, I'm not going to read all of them aloud um, because some of them are quite lengthy. And I just want to say first and foremost, thank you endlessly to some of you guys who just wrote the longest, sweetest, like, most heartfelt, appreciative, and other adjectives, uh, emails. It just, it, I just found myself just smiling and just being so happy and, um, thrilled that you guys are enjoying the podcast and it's making the impact that I hoped that it would, um, whether to simply entertain or to give some relatability and some, um, a calming effect on some of the, um, heavy things that happen on day to day by knowing that somebody else is dealing with it also. Um, but anyway, uh, some of the questions that I was asked by an I love cheesecake, (laughs) um, were some topic suggestions, but, um, I figured that I could go ahead and just knock some of these questions out. Um, The first is, how do you wish people responded to you when you said you had depression? Um, I mean, it's not exactly something that I go around saying, I have XYZ, and these are all of my mental diagnoses. Um, Really, the only people that know outside of the entire internet at this point um, are my friends and family. Um, As I mentioned in the last episode, um, you know, when I told my parents that I thought I was struggling with depression, um, my, they were both kind of like, what do you have to be depressed about exactly? Um, so, I mean, it's just, like, maybe it's a generational thing, um, but, um, yeah, it wasn't really understood as a, um, I can't explain why I'm upset thing, it was like, you're just being ungrateful, um, you know, and to no fault of their own. That's just not the understanding of the word that they have. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, that was difficult to deal with, um, because I didn't know how to communicate, um, my reality without, um, being met with that. But again, it's not like, I'm like, oh, my parents were so awful. They just didn't understand. They just, the truth of the matter is they just didn't understand. And now they have a better idea. We've talked about it at great length. Um, But, uh, yeah, other people, um, I feel like depression is not as common as, um, as it is thought to be. Um, I think a lot of people go through grief and, um, have, um, events that happen in their lives 
and their lives, there's a V in that word, that, um, you know, cause sadness or a depressed mood, but not like a full-on depressive episode, if that makes sense. And um, what I deal with, um, and I'm not trying to sit here and be like, I'm so special, um, but it's, um, it doesn't necessarily have a root or a specific thing that once that's over, then the depressive episode will also be over. Like, once I've come to terms with it, like, like it doesn't really happen like that. And, um, I'm not, like, I don't know. There's just no pinpointable issue. And, um, it's not just I'm sad. It's just, like, general apathy, you know, usually is the biggest underlying factor there. So with that, um, it's hard for people to understand if the only experience with, um, you know, depression personally has been, um, they're sad about X, Y, Z. And so they're like, just get over it, um, deal with it. Um, hasn't it been long enough? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm wearing a windbreaker. Probably could have taken it off, not going to. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's just a misunderstanding of, like, I, I'm trying really hard um, to, like, keep keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I know that a big um, issue that I had, um, it's not so much a reaction of when I said I have depression, um, but more, like, how it's handled Um, and this goes into the second question that says how to support a friend who has depression. Um, so I had a friend very close to me recently who, um, just, we drifted pretty, pretty heavily because, um, I was really depressed over, um, the last semester. Um, this past fall was just really hard on me for some reason. And I mean, there were environmental factors, but, um, the, the episode has just felt like it's drug out for far longer than the, than the thing that, like, I think may have sparked it or made it worse. Um, I don't know chicken or the egg on that one. Um, but anyway, this friend in particular, um, I could tell was taking passive aggressive, like subtle jabs at me. Um, and, uh, like unintentionally because they just really don't understand, um, how it works and, um, and also don't understand how hard you, but when you're in depression that you try those things. Um, so, um, their suggestion, you know, they just kept saying things to the effect of, well, you know, I've had a hard time too, or when I was dealing with, um, the, a breakup or whatever else I had dealt with, um, they would just say things to the effect of, you just have to be positive or have a bad bitch attitude and just, like, focus on the things that you want to do and, you know, make your career your priority or school and just kick ass, take names and, like, really get down to business and, like, um, you know, find some identity capital and invest in yourself and, you know, stay positive. And the the thing is, um, and I think that um, there's a blurred line with depression too, is because you want to do all of that. You recognize that all of that might help, but the thing is you, it's, it's like there's a hurdle in the way that you just cannot get over. Um, and depressed people are not lazy. It's, and I think that that is the general perception as well. Um, you, you can't, you don't have the motivation to, um, to go out and further your career. My grades slipped worse than they have ever slipped in my life. I had a 4.0 before this last semester, and now I have a 3.6 because my grades tanked, and I just could not make myself do the things that I needed to do, and um, it, it just, it was so defeating to, you know, be struggling to keep my head above water. I was lucky if I got my homework done um, at all, um, and then have someone telling me that I need to do more. I was like, ah, and then when you look at the other person and they're not speaking positively, they're not acting positively, they're not doing all of the things that they, you know, to their full potential, you're just like, well, you're not even trying. You want to be that way. You know, you're like, you're just stuck in it because you want to be, you know, and, um, if you actually wanted to get out of it, um, or if you put in a little effort, then, you would be fine. And, um, that's definitely the vibe that I got from this, um, 
particular friend and it like I knew the place that it was coming from I knew it was coming from a place of like okay uh, like I care about you I don't like seeing you upset and um you know just wasting away so fix it like why aren't you trying and um it's just not able to understand and finally um we had to talk about it and I explained everything. Um, but it can be hard to understand if you're not somebody who deals with that. Um, cause you have to understand that in, um, depression, the things that come along with that are thoughts that you can't control. Um, like, you know, you try to maintain a positive perspective and you just get like this quiet onslaught in the background of like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And you're like, but I'm trying to be happy and my brain is working against me. And, um, so, I mean, that, that's at least in my experience, it's a very weird dynamic. It's not like, um, you know, disembodied voices or schizophrenia. It's, it's just like, just doubt creeping in, um, in everything. You know, you doubt your friendships, you doubt, um, being liked, your ability, blah, blah, blah. And so, and even if you can recognize while you're depressed that it's unfounded, that none of that is true, it's, the thoughts are still there. And um, in the same way that fake it till you make it works, you know, if you keep hearing that, that's all you're surrounded with in your own head, then you might start to believe it. Um, and that is the tricky thing about depression. So what I would say to support a friend who has depression is, um, you know, you can encourage them to voice how they're feeling and um, validate it. Do not say things like, well, you should just be happy. Um, anything that has a should in it really is um, should be avoided. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's just it, the thing that feels worse uh, or the worst, I believe, in being depressed is when people like just invalidate the hell out of you and you're like I <laughs> I can't stop this I'm trying you know to keep my head above water here and that's what it feels like it feels like when you're depressed you're just treading water and um and then eventually it goes away for whatever reason whether your serotonin levels fix themselves in your noggin or um some new neural pathways develop and then your life is interesting to you and you're you know reinvigorated again or it just nothing nothing explains it you just feel better all of a sudden um like you just have to stick it out until it's over and um you know I know that it it weighs on me that I feel like I'm you know bestowing a burden upon the people in my life um when I talk about it um but it is nice to have somebody just listen and even if they're like I don't know what to say but I hear you um, that must be really hard, and I'm here for you no matter what, and if anything, just know that, you know, you have me regardless of the circumstance or anything that happens. I am here for you, and if you want to talk about it, let's do it. I will try my best to relate and empathize, and maybe we can come up with something, um, that you can do, um, if you want. You know, I think it's really helpful when I break it down with my friends and, like, explain everything that's going on and try to put a reason to it, even if there isn't a definite yes or no, this is the reason. Um, it's kind of fun to just, like, spitball and be like, well, maybe this is it, or maybe this is it, and then um, try to come up with a new way to challenge myself out of it. Um, because something that really does help with depression is, um, you know, creating new neural pathways, finding new stimuli in your life, and um, making life interesting again. Um, because I think with depression, like I said, it's very, very easy to get sucked into, um, not being able to move, not being able to get out of bed or do the things that you need to do. Um, I've been fortunate in my experience, um, with it in the past that, um, I've always been able to go to the barn and, um, do my schoolwork no matter what. Um, but this last bout of it really hit me hard for some reason, and it just made it very challenging to do any of my responsibilities. Um, so I was kind of okay with just doing whatever I could. Um, but outside of that, outside of, like, basic responsibilities, um, 
I pushed myself to do things that I'd never done before, you know, go into a store alone, because there is no time like being depressed than to, um, you know, use it, um, because at least when I am dealing with a serious episode, I just don't care about anything. I just am numb. I don't really feel anything, and I just kind of go around with my eyes half open, and, um, so that was the perfect time to meet new people, go out on dates, do things that I normally would never do, go into stores alone, go shopping by myself, um, go to a park and walk around or sit on a bench alone and just observe the world around me. Like things that normally I would be like, I can't do that. I'm no, that's just no. And like, you know, I was able to do it confidently. And then in doing so, I showed myself that I can do all of these things that I once thought I couldn't. I used the the depression to my advantage, you know, that numbness, um, helped me show myself that I could do things like go out on scary dates, you know, um, with a bunch of people (laughs) and a bunch of different people. I promise you guys, I'm not a little ho-ho. It was an experiment. Um, but, and I didn't like any of the men anyway, so I cut them off very nicely. Some of them, some of them I ghosted. I'm sad to say. I'm a horrible person. I apologize. Um, so yeah, to answer the question, um, ADHD is a thing. Um, we, um, as depressed people, since obviously I am the spokesperson for all depression, (laughs) that's a joke. Um, it's just, it's nice to just have someone hear you and have someone, um, show that they care, you know, just like, how you doing? And, um, to be like, we can actually talk about it if you want to. Um, you know, where are you at? What would you like to do? Is there, you know, anything fun you can think of that we can go do, um, to, you know, um, maybe re-excite you about something? I went to a lot of parties, too, which was fun, um, and I know that that is, um, dogged among the intellectuals of college, um, but it was actually really fun. You just go and watch a bunch of people do a bunch of weird shit, and then you're like, hey, this is kind of fun, and then you have something to talk about for a few weeks, um, and so I didn't participate in any of the hooligan recklessness outside of a little drinking and maybe a game of beer pong or two. Um, that's about as wild as I got. Um, I mostly stood in a corner with the one friend that I came with and we watched because <laughs> we're those people. Um, but yeah, so there's that. The next question I have, since we're finally moving on, since I've been talking about depression for two weeks now and we need to stop, um, because <laughs> I'm getting tired of it. Um, but I hope that helps actually. Um, anyway, uh, what does a therapy session look like? What are some questions that they ask and what are some guidelines to, uh, they give you when training to become a therapist? Um, so I'll start with the first question. What does a session look like? Um, I cannot speak for all therapists and all setups and, um, there are many different types of therapists. Um, I believe mine is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but she also employs a lot of other methods, um, that I've noticed, but, um, I mean, it's different for everyone, but, um, mine is a magician of a woman. I love her. (laughs) She has helped me so much. Um, but, um, I remember when I first went, I was nervous, but also I was in such a weird place. I just like didn't really even care. Um, I went down, I sat in her office and yes, there is a couch. It is not a lay down couch. It's like a small love seat. And I sat on that and she sat in her little wicker chair and, um, I just started talking. Um, it's never been a problem for me. I have a few friends who are interested in it and they're like, I just feel like I don't really have a problem. I don't really know what to talk about or why I would go. And I'm like, you don't have to like have this awful issue. You don't have to be, you know, mentally ill to want to go shoot the shit with a third party and have somebody who's trained in helping you work out what you actually want. Um, you know, there's no harm in doing that. Like, you don't have to have this big, grand, deep reason for going. Um, I went because I was having a lot of trouble in my relationship, and I was worried that I was the problem, and I wanted to fix it, and so I started going. And, um, 
yeah, so, I mean, I just sat down, I started talking, um, and I just voiced all of my concerns, and then we've, um, over the year, have just, like, picked apart a few key ideas and have worked on different things, um, you know, basically, I sit there, I explain what's going on, and, um, she says a few sentences, and then I'm like, oh my god, you're a genius, duh, obviously, of course, and, um, at other times, it's really, really uncomfortable, and, um, I hate it. (laughs) I have walked out of there a few times feeling awful, um, and, um, you know, that's not a testament to, like, oh, well, therapy's bad, um, but, like, I just realized that the way I was going about something is really not in line with, um, you know, either what I believe in or what I wanted to be doing, and I was embarrassed or, like, shamed about how I felt, um, or how I'd been acting or operating or whatever, and, um, there were a few times I walked out of there and just sat in my car and cried because I was like, I'm a broken person. I don't understand life. Um, but then I went back (laughs) and, um, you know, ironically after that session that I'm talking about, um, I had the biggest like shift in my life after that because I just was like, wow, I'm really tired of feeling like this. I'm going to work harder to feel better. And then I was good for about a week and then we came back. Um, but that is due to environmental factors strictly. Um, but anyway, um, so I mean, essentially we just sit there and I shoot the shit and she, um, you know, asked me questions and, um, I don't know mine, I know that like not every therapist is like this. I've met many people that say therapy is a waste of time or they hated it. Um, but honestly, therapy only works if it's something that you want to work, um, because you have to put in a lot of effort. And also, um, I'm sad to say that the industry is not full of like the most wonderful people in the world. Um, some people become therapists that should never be therapists. Um, and sometimes it's just not the right person. I was lucky that I found somebody that I really connect with and that I find to be really helpful. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that you have to really want it and you have to want to do the work because it is not easy by any means. Um, a lot of the stuff that I have realized has been hard, hard to like, you know, accept. Um, but it, it's, it's not ideas that, they don't put any ideas in your head or tell you that, like, you're doing anything wrong. It's just about whatever you believe, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Those of you that have been to therapy probably know what I'm talking about. Um, what are some questions that they ask and some guidelines they give you when training to become a therapist? Um, I'm not really sure about the last half, but, like, the questions that they ask are, like, just asking you to, um, define more what you want in life instead of, um, what we like to do where we just go blindly from one thing to the next, um, on instant gratification, um, actually defining what you want and, um, taking steps to go there without focusing so much on the potential obstacles and just nixing it anyway, because that's what I tend to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know some guidelines they give you in training to become a therapist. I don't know. I'm, I'm still an undergrad. So that, um, undergrad psychology is, um, as my friend put it, the history of psychology, uh, graduate school is when you actually learn how to implement those things. Um, but yeah, how do therapists watch out for compassion fatigue? Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I talked to my therapist about this a little bit and she was like, I mean, I just don't take my work home with me. She said, I, oh, that is, oh, I'm so popular. Um, but they, she said that like, you know, she comes to work and gives you an hour or two of her undivided attention and is there for you endlessly. But when she leaves, that's it. You are tabled essentially. Um, So, I mean, I think it's just learning how to compartmentalize and not bring work home, but I don't know that for a fact because I am not a therapist, um, still an undergrad. Um, but yeah, um, the next question is about entanglement, uh, and grounding. Um, I don't know much about them. Like I said, I'm still an undergrad and it's mostly just about, um, like, 
what Freud did and Adler and Rogers, even though we don't talk about Rogers as much as I would like. Um, but most of it is just like who did what and all these different theories and blah, blah, blah. None of it's actually like how to handle the mental disorders and how to help people. Um, that's why people say that a psychology degree is relatively useless because as an undergrad, it absolutely is. Um, but I know a little bit about grounding, I think, but not really enough to talk about it. Um, but it says a method which helps during anxiety attacks. And I'm going to speak completely ignorantly on this because I am not intelligent enough to feel the need to look that up right now. Um, but I know when I have had um, panic attacks or just really bad, I'm sad and I'm crying <laughs> moments, um, you know, I find that it's helpful to sit in it for a minute and, um, get it out. And then when I'm ready to stop crying and, um, you know, panicking and when I'm ready to like catch my breath and kind of get back to being a human, um, I grab my journal and I write in that, which may sound a little silly to some, but it actually is really helpful because, um, I really focus on like how I, <laughs> how I write and grammatic technicalities and so having to focus on all of that and like get out what I want to say and organize my thoughts helps me come back down a little bit instead of just like spiraling freaking out and um it just helps me um think more clearly and calm down and focus on something else um which I would say is a form of grounding if I'm not um misunderstanding it. Um, I also know that a lot of people like just hone in on their surroundings or like, um, like a form of meditation almost like just what's, what's going on around me, the world, instead of focusing so much on what is going on inside. <clears throat> Good voice crack. I'm a little sick. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm completely ignorant on that topic, so I could be totally wrong in everything that I just said, but that's what I do. Um, and then as far as um, horses and animals go, um, I didn't mean for this to be just a Q&A answering all of these questions, but this email was like the nicest thing that I've ever read in my entire life. And um, these questions are simple enough to answer. And I think um, several people would want the answers to them. Um, so I have no problem answering them. So um, yeah, how is Mac? Um, if you guys don't know who Mac is, um, he was a horse that I had, um, that my boss had that she was allowing me to, um, use for the retired racehorse project. And, um, I was training him with positive reinforcement and, oh God, I'm yawning, I'm tired. Um, I ended up not taking him to the RRP because, um, I didn't want to push him at his expense so that we could go to this competition. And I ended up selling him to, um, a really good friend of mine whom I love and he is happily living with her and her ponies and she does positive reinforcement as well and um, as far as I've heard they have been just chilling and having a grand old time out there so um, Mac is happy living his horsey life um, and uh, next question favorite moments with Zoe I actually had a really good one the other day because I forced myself to go outside because it was finally sunny for the first time in several weeks. Um, I went outside and um, put up my Eno, my hammock, um, in between some trees in her paddock. And then I filled up um, this like hay play, I think is what it's called, ball with hay in it. And then um, a little alfalfa pellet dispenser, and I put them right next to my hammock. So Zoe and Amber, her mom, <laughs> were forced to come uh, look at the hammock if they wanted the snacks. And then they did, and then I sat in my hammock, and they ate their snacks while I read my book. And it was very wholesome, and it was so nice until I got sleepy, and then I came inside and took a nap. Um, so that was really nice to just enjoy the ponies doing their thing um, out in the nature. Um some other favorite moments with Zoe, um, moving up to training was really big for us, and, um, I had a blast doing that with her, and I, if I'm honest, I really, really miss, um, eventing and doing all of that, but alas, that is not something that is in the cards at the moment, um, and, um, 
I don't know. I have a lot of a lot of thoughts about horses and riding and training that I'm still working out, and um, I really want to get back in my grind with my mare. <laughs> um, anyway, how many pets do you have? LOL. <laughs> I currently have um, Wally, who is my precious baby angel chicken, my little orange kitty. Um, Seffy lives in my house right now. She's a black and white cat, and I hate her. Um, I realize that that is strong language for a small kitten, but oh my god, she annoys the absolute dog shite out of me, and, um, she's not mine, she's just here to be Wally's friend until I relocate, um, but she tears up my house, and she breaks everything I own, and she steals all of my things and hides them from me, and she's just the devil spawn, but she's cute, so she stays, um, and then I have Zoe, obviously, and then my German Shepherd, Myla, um, I haven't really talked about that much online, um, but essentially she was here, and then, um, she, um, murdered a kitten outside, and then, um, she had to live on my porch unless I supervised her, and, um, that wasn't working, and so, um, she had to, um, go home to my parents and they said from the get-go that they did not want a dog and it was my dog so uh, they tried to rehome her she went to a home with a um, family friend who had two male dogs and that situation for many reasons was ill-conceived and um, those two dogs were aggressive and um they repeatedly went after Myla, and I don't know what it was about her, but, like, the lady had fostered other dogs before, it was totally fine, um, but something about Myla, they just did not like her, and they went after her, and when she fought back, because she'd been in, like, you know, little tiffs with Gracie, our Great Pyrenees out here, and, um, they, but they, they never did anything, like, aggressive aggressive I mean they like maybe would bark at each other or get into a little tussle but they never like drew blood or anything like that but these dogs um were out for blood and when she fought back she won and um then she learned to do that and now um we've realized that in the best interest of other animals she needs to go to a home where there are not other animals because her prey drive with kitties is very strong and um uh, when territory or objects are involved, she does not get along with other dogs, and it's just not, um, something that I have time to train, and my family is not going to pay another human to train out of, and even then, it is still a very big risk, um, to other dogs, um, so now she is living at my parents' house, and, um, I think that they love her, and they need to keep her, um, but, um, they're still trying to find her a home. Um, in my opinion, I think she would do best in a home with, um, little kids because she absolutely loves kids. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to a dog that I just said can be aggressive, but she has never, ever been aggressive towards a human. I, ever. Um, even with a toy. I mean, like you can do all sorts of things to that dog. And we had little kids out here at the farm that absolutely loved her and played with her endlessly. And she never, ever did a toe out of line. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think she needs to be with other doggos. And so, yeah, that has been a trying situation, trying to find her a place to live, um, where she will be loved and cared for. Um, because everyone here is like, oh, she attacked another dog. Then, you know, suddenly she's this awful animal that needs to, you know, that nobody wants, but that's, not what happened. I think she learned to be aggressive from the other dogs, and, um, then now you, it's hard to trust that. Um, so technically I have three animals, one of which does not live with me, and another is kind of a plus, plus one that lives in my house, but that's not mine. Um, and an animal you've always wanted to own but haven't um, honestly, I think I'm pretty good. I've got, I got my little orange kitty cat. Um, do you want to say hi? Wally. He says no. He was meowing a second ago. Wally. 
no words. Safi, that's not your name, dude. Go away. Um, no, no, I did not ask for you. I wanted the other one. Ugh, this little, little black cat. Stupid. Um, anyway, um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, I think the last question here that I can answer, um, because some of them are countries you've been to and visited. I've never left the U.S. Um, favorite nature spots. I don't really have any, though I would love to have some, but unfortunately I've not explored my state much, and also it's not that fantastic. Um, favorite foods. I'm a picky eater and not, not a huge foodie. I barely taste food as it is. Um, so... Not the best person to answer that question, but the one says, I've been super, super into piercings lately. I'm excited because I saved for a while. I'm finally making a trip down to Melbourne, literally just to be pierced by an artist that I've been following for a long time, and I'm mad excited, um, which is incredible. Piercings are super fun. Um, if you're that kind of person, I love them. So can I talk about the piercings I currently have and maybe about tattoos, which is fun because I have yet to talk about that. And um, yes, yeah, so let's do that. Um, so... Um, I think I got my first piercing when I was like 10 or 12, um, you know, just the basic lobe piercing. And then after that I got a second and I thought I was just such a hard ass because I had four piercings, um, two on each lobe. And then, um, after I did that, I think I got, um, my cartilage done when I went to North Carolina when I was like 15 and, um, then after that, I believe a friend and I had her aunt pierce my lobe for the third time with a gun that we bought at Walmart. Not a gun gun, like a piercing gun. <laughs> and um, those have healed up because I did not wear them because it looks stupid on my ear because they were all uneven. Um, and then um, I think I went to North Carolina again and um, got my other cartilage, the one that was just below the first cartilage done, so I have two, um, cartilage piercings on one ear, and then on the other, I got it on, like, the side, um, like, the edge of my ear, um, in the midway section, and then, um, after that, just recently, I actually got that one, the piercing that I actually wanted, because I went to Claire's, and they were like, we can't do through your cartilage, so, like, through your skin skin, so, like, I couldn't get the one that I wanted, so I, like, got <laughs> something close, but then I just recently got my orbital conch pierced, um, which is, like, basically the center of your ear, and I've got a big hoop through it at the moment that I cannot change for, like, five more months, um, so <laughs> there's that, and I also have my nose pierced, um, and the nose, I think, was probably the most painful out of all of them. It's my nostril. I don't have my septum pierced. I'm not one of those. <laughs> just kidding if you're one of those people <laughs> I'm making fun of you though um but I have my nostril pierced I currently have a hoop in it um so I think that is 11 piercings it's three yeah okay yeah it's 11 um I do not have my belly button like every other female um I don't know why it just never really appealed to me I did not really feel like getting that done and it's high key scares me a lot I don't like it. I don't want it there. Um, so those are all the piercings that I have. Um, I think my nose hurt by far the worst. The conch piercing, um, it I honestly didn't hurt that bad. Um, it was a pain in the ass to deal with, um, <laughs> like, for the first, like, two weeks, I think, and then it was fine. Um, it's been fine for a while. I can almost sleep on it now, and I got it done, I believe, at the end of December. I don't know. There's a picture of it on my Instagram the day I got it, so I don't know how long it's been. Um, but, um, tattoos. Now, tattoos are the fun ones. Um, so, a year ago, I got, um, I had been sitting on this idea for a year, and I really, really wanted it, and now I regret it, but it's fine. Um, on my back, I have a big diamond with, um, Zoe's face, <laughs> my horse, um, that I drew, and I have apple blossoms, like, on the side, because, um, she and I are both born in Arkansas, and that's the state flower, and then it has, like, lines coming out of the top and the bottom, and the center line on the top is her, um, tattoo number, that's, like, her race tattoo number that's on the inside of her lip, um, I have that tattooed, um, in my handwriting in Roman numerals, 
and, um, the idea was really cool, but, um, I did not, I was impatient to get it done, so I went to an artist out of convenience instead of really thoroughly researching it, and, um, I don't like it. It's cute, but it's not, like, what I wanted it to be, and I don't really like it. Um, it's not what I drew, and, um, I don't know, it just irritates me, but it's on my back, so I don't have to see it. Um, so I might get it fixed at some point, but I currently am lay broke. Um, and then on my wrist, I have a lightning bolt and a star. Um, the lightning bolt is for my sister, because we were trying to think of something we had in common that we could get a tattoo of, and Harry Potter, obviously. Um, the lightning bolt. Um, um, we both read that growing up, and then, um, I have a star under it, because me and Madison Ibach, if you guys know her, Simply Equestrian on Instagram, um, we have, like, a friendship star that we saw the first night we ever hung out in person, it's like a whole little thing, <laughs> um, so there's that, and then on the back of my arm, like, just above my elbow, elbow? Above my elbow, um, there is a stick figure tree, and, um, a quote in, like, American Horror Story font. I don't know what else to call that. It's my favorite font ever, though I love it. Um, and it says, Oh, the cleverness of me, which is a Peter Pan quote. And, um, clever is my favorite word, and I love that quote because it's just, I don't know, it just means a lot to me in the way of, like, maintaining bravery and, um, wit and like knowing your worth like I don't know it's just like a whole whole thing I feel like when you read it at first you're like wow <laughs> asshole <laughs> like what a narcissist um but that's not what it is and then the tree above um because I thought it looked cool and um my last name is trees so <laughs> trees <laughs> um yeah so that is that um tattoos not not the end of the world they're not super painful um however, did not go over well with Mi Familia at the beginning. Um, still not a huge fan of them. Um, I think my dad has an association with, um, criminals because he was a policeman, so he does not like them. And, um, I love them. I think tattoos are an expression of yourself and as an artist and somebody who has designed all of my tattoos, um, I love them, and I think they decorate my body, and, um, I will be waiting to get more until I am financially independent, so it's not to aggravate a fellow human, um, <laughs> but I, um, I do love the ones that I have now, and, um, yeah, they don't hurt that bad. I think the one on my arm, well, it's the most recent, so it's hard to tell. The one on my wrist didn't hurt at all, but the one on my back, um, there's a lot of spine and a lot of rib back there, and oh my goodness, that was painful, but the one on the back of my arm, there was one place that was just, like, very ouchy, um, but yeah, I mean, the best you can describe it is it feels kind of like a cat scratch, it's just like a stinging, quick burning feeling, um, the worst part to me is, like, you know, because they have, like, they dip it, and then they, and then they wipe, they wipe the excess ink off, that part hurts the worst, because it's, like, if you were to, like, wipe across a, a surface, or like, a paper cut, and you're like, ow, ow, it's not quite as awful as, like, hand sanitizer in a cut, but it's close, and, um, so, not my favorite thing in the world, but, um, I do love the, the outcomes, um, I'm just gonna quickly look through my emails here and see, um, if there's any other questions to answer, um, <clears throat> There is one here, um, that says, how did you find a therapist that you connect with? Um, uh, da, 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 and just, like, had to deal with, like, thinking that therapy's not for you because you didn't connect with that therapist. Um, I found mine by going on psychologytoday.com, clicking find a therapist, and typing in my insurance and, um, what I was dealing with, and then I found somebody near me within that specialty, but I also, like, read her bio, and, um, you know, just was like, I feel like the vibe that I'm getting, and that's exactly what I want out of therapy, and, um, yeah, so I think that it's just about, like, you can try a few different people and just be like, listen, I have in the past not 
you know, really vibed well with therapists. Um, I'm willing to give this a shot, though, but um, do know that if I do not feel connected, then I'm going to leave. But also, I think that it's easy to, um, not to victim blame here at all, but I do think that it happens sometimes where um, people get uncomfortable in therapy and then leave because it's uncomfortable instead of um, realizing that there's just cognitive dissonance, you know? Um, and I quit my therapy for a little bit. I hated my therapist for a little bit and I thought she was the biggest idiot in the world because, um, she was making me realize things that I was not ready to realize yet. And sometimes you're just not ready. Um, I was in a really toxic relationship and I did not want to hear that, um, you know, I didn't really have any control over it. And it was either, you know, deal with it and sit in it because you can't, expect another person to change, really. I mean, like, you can hope, obviously, and try, but it's up to them. Ultimately, you cannot force someone to change. Um, So either deal with it or get out. And I was like, no, that's so stupid. Why would I do that? I want to fix, must fix the human. Um, So, yeah, uh, I I think that it's it's all up to what you can handle. And if you're... um, if you're able and in a place where you are ready to receive information that could hurt you. (laughs) Um, but I think therapy is ultimately very, very helpful. And, um, if you have a good therapist that they're just there to listen to you and use your, um, your values, your line of logic and your reasoning to, um, help you get what you want, not enforce what they think is best, you know? Um, so yeah, um, I'm looking at the rest of, um, um, I think this is going to probably going to be the last thing that I answer here. I have no idea what I'm going to call this episode. I'm so wildly confused. Um, but, um, this one says a group of my friends went to the guidance counselor about me saying I called nine of them fat. I did not do this, but got sent to be questioned about it ever since one of my best friends that went and I are trying to grow a friendship. And so are some of the other girls, but I always feel like they are going to betray me again. And I want to cry when I'm around them. Do you know what might be happening in my mind to do this and how I could regain the trust back in them? If so, it would be really helpful. Also, this is a true story and I do need help, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, so I read this one earlier and, um, I'm assuming this is coming from, um, a younger individual and, um, I do want to say that that sounds awful and it sounds like a very tough place to be in. Um, hey, can you not eat my furniture? That would be fantastic. Small animal. Um, but I also, um, if I'm understanding this correctly, I'm going to throw something at you. If you don't stop, go that way. Um, okay. So, uh, God, I hate cats sometimes. Um, mm -mm -mm. you feel like they're going to betray you again and you want to cry when you're around them. I, if I were you, um, I'm not sure the maturity level of this group, but I would, um, it's just such a, silly thing. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, being attacked for your appearance is not a fun thing, but if, um, you didn't do that, I would, um, you know, I would ask them about it. I would be like, hey guys, you know, I, if I said something that, um, you know, gave you the, the impression that I thought you were overweight or fat. Um, that was not my intention. I'm so sorry. I did not mean for it to come across that way, but I, it's clear that I have offended you and, um, you know, that's, that's what matters. And I want to apologize for, um, making you feel that way. And the worst thing you can do in those situations is say, I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) Um, but instead, I'm sorry you're, I made you feel that way. Um, and I would, um, just communicate with them and be like, I, that's not what I meant. And, um, I want to be friends with you guys. And, um, I just, I feel a little bit insecure in our friendship at the moment. And, um, you know, I just want to have a good time and enjoy this time in my life with you guys. Um, but if, if a friendship with me is not something that you want, I'd rather you just tell me, um, instead of, you know, doing the roundabout, uh, thing, let's just talk about it. And if this isn't something that you want, cool, let's not do it then. Um, and 
Um, but I mean, I, I don't think that I would want to be friends with people who, um, who lie about me or, um, make me want to cry when I'm around them or, um, yeah, I just, I don't feel like that sounds like a very healthy environment. I mean, all I can go off of is that what you're saying is 110% true. Um, I cannot, cannot vouch for that. Um, but I wouldn't want to be friends with people who lie about me and make me want to cry. Um, I would, um, entertain, uh, finding new friends and people who, um, are there for you and support you unconditionally. Um, it's also hard at that age sometimes to not run into exclusively petty and juvenile people. Um, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't take full blame for it, you know, like you say, do you know what might be happening in my mind to do this and how could I regain the trust you had back in them? Um, from what you say about them, it doesn't sound like they really deserve your trust. Um, and it's not your fault. I mean, you say, do you know what might be happening in my mind to do this? Um, what's happening in your mind is they lied about you, um, to your guidance counselor to, um, the detriment of your reputation, you know? I mean, if, if you truly did not say anything, then, um, they're just being catty and, um, they don't deserve your trust and they don't deserve, deserve your faith and, um, energy into their friendship. Um, I mean, there are two ways that goes. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's up to you how you handle it. Um, but I, this all just sounds, petty to me and I would (laughs) recommend just finding a new group of friendships where this isn't even a concern on your radar. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry that that's happening. That sounds really tough. And, um, I know that dealing with, um, strife among friend groups is, is a really difficult thing to handle, especially when you're, um, younger. But, yeah, I think that that is where I'm going to wrap this episode up. I think I've covered about every topic I can master, muster from one end to another. Um, if you would like me to answer um, any uh, more of your questions, again, drop me an email, jetrealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, uh, you can make it as long or short as you want. Um, one or The one that I read predominantly from had a bulleted list of things that they would like me to talk about, and that was very helpful. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you guys are welcome to do whatever you like. Shoot me an email, and I will read it. I'm going to try and respond to these very soon, Um, but uh, I do have a lot on my plate at the moment, and some of them are very long and warrant long responses that I have yet to have the time for. Um, But thank you all um, that have written in and said how much you love the podcast or how much it means to you and just super, super sweet messages that absolutely mean the world to me. I cannot thank you guys enough for supporting the podcast and being so sweet. Um, If you would like to do more, you can drop a review on iTunes um, and rate it however you would like to rate it, preferably five stars, please, and um, explain why you like the podcast. That helps boost... um, the show in the algorithm so more people find it and uh yeah so let's do that and then uh as far as social media goes you can find me um jill.trees on uh instagram jet real podcast on instagram and jet equithery on um twitter so check me out see what's up and i will see you guys next tuesday thanks for listening guys (laughs) 